When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. What is up? Welcome to episode number 393 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined, as always, by the very giddy Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? Yes, I'm very giddy because there's just so much stuff going on this week. I'm about to actually like hang out with Rick Wolf and friends. Oh, that's very hours. fun. Can't wait for that. It's going to be a good time. I have a very intriguing meeting. I don't even know what I told Fast about on Thursday. I think I did. Um, with someone locally here in Park Slope, um, which is very, very exciting and fun. And then there's this this game coming out, I guess, at midnight on Thursday, whatever. Yeah, I was gonna say, let's get to the can we get to the real reason why we're excited, please? Like let's what I don't know there's we're beating around here. the bush or anything. Okay. We are excited because obviously this this uh this upcoming week, Thursday at midnight. The Zelda yeah. that we've all been waiting for so, releases. So fast, I want to let you know the stream on Friday morning is going to be an hour long. It's going to be 10 to 11. I, I'm so sorry, everybody. It's going to be a speed run. But everyone in Twitch chat and everybody listening right now, I hope you want to come in and cheer me on like I'm at the marathon. Okay? <laughs> like, I want you to just be like, I'm not going to talk to chat. I just, I'm looking forward to getting some some cups of water from you. Um, maybe hold some signs up as I try and get through everything as fast as possible Friday morning at 10 a.m. So are, you're you're not going to stay up late on Thursday? I mean, I'm doing it for two hours. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm really lucky. There are six games on Thursday. Just six. Oh, great. And the last and there's only one game at 945. So like I'm going to be at like 1145 hoping that game is concluded enough so that i could do this do you want me to write those blurbs for you <laughs> fast you have never not once in mm. the seven years i've known you offered to write an sp roundup blurb J- justin paradis has never. written more sp yeah. roundups than i have right you have yeah, never done it i actually in my head i've thought to myself of like my ideal future and if I'm able to ever hire Alex Fast full time, is this my way of getting weekends off for the SP Roundup? I don't know. Oh, so I I jump in and get to do the yeah, Saturday you'd Sundays. The you'd be yeah, you do Saturday Sundays. Okay. All right, let me go get my wife and tell her I can't look after our child on the weekend. Excuse me, you can you can do that. She can be in your lap. It's fine. Actually, right. to be honest, I wouldn't even mind doing it because I could do it so late at night on Thursdays, Fridays. Anyway, okay. This is we're, we're not, yeah, exactly. We're not we're, we're not talking about that anymore. We've got a great list to get to. You've got a, an awesome meeting to get to as well. And we've got plenty of pictures to talk about. So why don't we go ahead and, and dive on in? Because it's been a wild week for pitchers. Oh, man. I didn't even think. Uh, okay. I know great. you um, did it. All right. Yeah. yeah our, you know, our theme uh, today. I'm going to hit it off just by saying really quickly. If you missed yeah, it ahead. about Mason Miller, I had a eulogy on the Twitch stream. 
um, for him yesterday. Go check that out. Um, it's on Twitter. I'm so sad about it. I hope he's okay. Maybe I'm overreacting, but I feel bad for him as well as he yeah. has had roller coaster of emotions of just like I am really hurt with the shoulder, and all of a sudden destroying it, and then getting to the majors and actually doing really well, and then it's just not fair. Uh, and it it feels bad. There's also Mitch Keller who broke the list curse. Um, I I led with him, and what does he do? Like. An hour later, he pitches a complete game shutout. We're going to talk about him later in the list as fast gives me looks. And we're going to talk about this because I think this is a very interesting conversation. Um, it is. About just my, about my process and uh, what Mitch Keller is doing that um, I should adapt or maybe I shouldn't. We'll talk about it. Um, but uh, fast, what is the theme this week? The theme of this week, it's it's we're going to keep it topical and it's just and it's a little more list like we will get back to the whatever kind of list style like you like cream. moving forward. No. <laughs> yeah, it's your favorite topical creams. No, it's just <laughs> Zelda characters. It's Zelda characters, but you cannot use. No, I'm not going to cut anyone out. It's just Zelda characters, but we should get more fun. I don't really want to hear about Link and Zelda and Ganon. Like I want to hear about the, you know, the Korok seeds. Okay. And all that other all right. Stuff. I can I can I can. I know there are a lot of people that probably have no idea what The Legend of Zelda is listening to this, and that's fine, or they're not familiar with it. I don't worry, I got you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll with this. Okay, so All go right, ahead. Good. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. Yeah, there is a lot of good conversation to be had, so I'm excited to get started. We're gonna jump in with no changes. <laughs> it's tier one. There's nothing major here, although there nope. might have been a. Was no there notes. a change in where the tier was? Right. No, notes. no, nothing changed whatsoever. So no notes. So this is tier one, one through six. Garrett Cole, Shane McClanahan, Spencer Strider, Shohei Otani, Luis Castillo and Corbin Burns. So no notes whatsoever. I do want to address there was one Twitter user who reached out to us a couple minutes before we started recording saying, hey, what's going on with Corbin Burns? It doesn't seem like it's still clicking yet. Should I be concerned? Should I be selling? What's the deal? So any quick words on Corbin Burns? first and foremost did i not realize that games were playing today right now no okay uh no they don't start till a little bit later yeah i gotcha um i was actually talking to alex chamberlain about this yesterday on the phone we do that because he's the best and corbin burns is down a tick and a half from 2021 he's also down vertical break on the cutter um it's a significant amount since 2021 there might be something to that what I did find, though, is that the results really haven't been that different on that cutter. And it's more that the slider and curveball are not being nearly as productive as they used to be. Um, from a swing strike rate to standpoint, from a CSW standpoint, from a strike rate, it's just not the, the pitch um, that we want. So I was talking about this with Alex Chamberlain. And he made a really good point that his velocity uh, was down 1.5 ticks since 2021 so far this year for Corbin Burns. And the uh, the vertical break on the cutter has also dropped as well. However, the numbers on the cutter aren't actually that different from previous years. It's actually the curveball and the slider that are missing fewer bats. They are getting lower CSW marks. They are getting fewer strike. I think that's something that actually is fixable for Corbin Burns. Hmm. So I'm not too worried at the moment about Corbin Burns, but I do grasp that if you want to just do a lateral move, and trade Burns for a first-rounder hitter and just be safe about it, by all means, that's fine with me. And I totally understand it. But I'm not that concerned. And I understand the the worry about it, but I feel like I need to stand pat. Who is the, who is the tier? Who is the tier? 
Well, you didn't ask. What's it, what's it called and why is it called that? You're right. It's called a Pona. Okay. Mm-hmm. The horse is in all of them. And it's always a sturdy rock that's just like, yeah, what's up? I'm the horse. And these guys are the horses. So I like that. Let's move to tier two then. Seven through 14, starting with Sandy Alcantara, then Kevin Gosman, Zach Gallen, sadly, Max Freed. He is here, but obviously will not be in the next iteration yeah. of the list with his IL stint. Zach Wheeler, Clayton Kershaw, Justin Verlander, and Christian Javier. What's it called and why is it called that? This one is called... Uh, called beetle always there for you always with some exciting stuff this is the merchant in in zelda that has been there for like four iterations or something uh and the guy's just the best and you just root for him and you're like you know you're not saving the world but you're 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 pretty great we should start by talking about uh, Zach Allen, who isn't someone that we've mentioned super often. I mean, this dude is off to, again, just kind of a, a, a fantastic start. You know, we looked at the accumulative information for him last year after 184 innings, and we said, yeah, well, great, 254 ERA with a 27% K rate. And we thought, okay, but how much of that necessarily could have been his historic run where he didn't give up an earned run for a really long time and had all these great quality starts? And now here he is. And he's got the highest swinging strike rate of his career. He's got the highest K rate of his career at a 34% K rate. He is a 0.85 whip. He looks almost entirely just like a a, a completely new player. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, in terms of the usage too, the curveball is, I believe, at a career high. I mean, it's not too terribly far off from what it was last year from 22% to 28%, but it's a noticeable enough change. He's dropped that four seamer usage down a little bit as well is, I mean, sure. He just gave up, you know, he broke his quality start streak, which I think was at about five or six starts going five and uh, five innings, three and runs, no walks and six K's against Texas. Is that just the blip? And now we're going to see him get back to, you know, these multi strikeout, games like or double digit strikeout games i should say i should hope so but i don't really think that zach gallon is going to be anywhere close to a 35 percent strikeout game which also is why i know i don't know where you got that 34 percent number from because clearly they're using the pitchless pages um, i know that pitcherless is seventh he's seventh <laughs> but here's the thing i can't see comparatively where he was last year so i have to go back to use other sites what are you talking that. about 35 versus 27 percent he was 27 oh yeah i can't see year. it it's right there yeah okay, what do you talk on. it's it's literally on the thing <laughs> what do you think we do i'm, I'm, I'm literally on you think i would like, make a player page where you can't compare it to previous years are you are you joking <laughs> yeah you're right you're right you're right oh my gosh fast it's unbelievable every week i do this with you <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny is I genuinely do use them all. I know you do. Okay. Um, but you just make it you should never quote anything on a different one. I'm like, no. Um Zach Allen's interesting right now. If you look at his curveball, you actually see some great things and you see some terrible things. Call strike rig has dropped six points um this year. As his, as his O swing has dropped eleven points. And when you hear that, we go, wait, fewer called strikes and fewer swings out of the zone. That's not a good good pairing but it's actually the same csw around 32 percent 22 percent swing strike around the curveball many fewer strikes though like nine ticks down 64 to 55 percent kind of interesting this actually has been good in some ways but higher x average on it because of this it's a higher woba because of it homer five ball rate is higher babbitt is higher he's not actually throwing more consistent curveballs to me 
the changeup has been the real benefit this year. Uh, and by the way, that curveball, yes, the usage has gone up exactly right, 28% this year from actually the teens in 2021. But Gallon's changeup, 25% to 33% CSW, seven-point increase in swing strike rate as well. You love to see that. He's getting the ball down a ton. And meanwhile, the cutter has improved to 34% CSW after two years of really struggling with this pitch. He's finally found it again. I mean, it was a 17.5% CSW in 2022. And the cutter is now like, yo, what's up? I am legitimate. And that that is saving the day here. And it's making it so that the four-seamer can do better things. Highest called strike rate he's had since 2020 on that pitch. 26%, 92nd percentile among all four-seamers in baseball. Call strike rate, Zach Gallons, which is really good. Because what that does is it, it kind of tells us that batters really don't know what's coming every single time. He throws 42% fastballs. Mm. They can't pull the trigger on it. And that means then they're chasing more changeups or cutters or curveballs. And that's what you want to see right now. He's found a really good rhythm. I don't necessarily think it's a 35% strikeout rate. I hope that he has this feel of the cutter. I hope uh, the changeup is a 21% swing strike rate pitch. It looks like a peak at the moment, and generally peaks do not sustain. Still, Zach Allen is a very good pitcher right now, and uh, he very much belonged inside the top 10. By the way, Fast, um, okay, I have to apologize. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Of the one day of the year, I mean, here's the thing. It did oust Fast as using another site. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, I, I realized that midday on, well, no, not midday, but whatever, on Tuesday at this moment, we realized that, wait a second, maybe we're not updating. We didn't actually get our run of data from yesterday up on the site. So that we ran into an error. That's why games aren't up yet for Monday, which is why the K rate was different, which is 34% now. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of happy it didn't because it exposed you. Well, yeah, I mean, sure. And I know there was another route. game, not Texas, of course, that Fast was talking about as he went. Yeah, exactly. So because he also, uh, you know, we, we got the answer to our question. We looked forward in time and we found out that, yeah, it was sustainable. He actually had bounced back after <laughs> Texas, put up another quality start of seven innings, uh, one and run, five hits, one walk and seven Ks. But either, any, is there anyone else in this tier that you want to hit before we move on to tier? I mean, the whole Max Free thing is actually really cool. This is why everybody needs to watch the Twitch stream live uh, on Mondays as I make it. Someone had an inside source about Max Reed's IL stint and mm. gave it to us. Wow. Now, wow. I couldn't do anything with that because I didn't know this person. I couldn't verify the source, nothing like that. So I'm not going to be irresponsible and just trust anyone on Twitch that says they know things. Um, but it was pretty awesome. They were completely right all the way down to it. Um, I found out later why they were completely right, but they had a source. Um, and uh, so that's why you maybe could have gotten quicker information about it. Very sad to see you remove max freed and i uh, and you put in jared schuster around like 85 something like that just so you guys know, sure um sure. about that otherwise i mean some people are terrified of gosman's velocity fluctuations it's been up down up down if you're gonna see the average it's gonna be like oh well he's clearly down this year not the case it's like 95 to 92 and it's like the average is 93.5 right mm-hmm. uh Sandy alcantara had a fantastic start on sunday and you're like oh put him back into tier one no 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 he's already had a really good start this year and then did not yeah. sustain it so we're not going to do that uh yeah i am weirded out by zach Wither. i am weirded out by justin verlander i am weirded out by christian javier it's all weird so hopefully all these aces could like just be normal this week 
You know, I feel like it's the Babadook reference right now. <laughs> it's, and uh, hopefully it's okay. It's a, it's, it's a mess. There are, there are dudes that should be doing well that are not doing well right now. But let's stick with the positive as we move on to tier three here, which is 15 through 26. Joe Ryan, Aaron Nola, Dylan Cease, uh, Julio Arias at 18, followed by you Darvish. Number 20 is Pablo Lopez, followed by Freddie Peralta, Joe Musgrove, Framber Valdez, Max Scherzer falling 13 to 24, Sonny Gray and Jesus Cesardo at number 26. What's it called and why is it called that? So it's called the Groose is Loose tier. Okay. And yeah, that's a that's a reference to one of the games. Um, it's essentially a character who thinks like he's the star of the show mm. um, and wants to be very badly. And you hate him in the beginning, then you love him by the end. And that's, you know, this is tier three. He, they all are grooses, but they could be links. Looses. You know? <laughs> looses. <laughs> let's let's gooses. start with Joe, Joe Ryan. We drink the mooses. Gooses. Oh, God. Don't. What? Did you this just is, say? This is. This is Dr. Seuss, I'm doing. Okay. This, this I'm just going to uh, breeze on by that one. I'm just going to breeze on. This is legitimately the good night book from Dr. Seuss. Okay, great. Uh, oh, I'm not even going to say it again. Uh, number 15, Joe Ryan. You had a very apt uh, text that you sent me. Nick and I obviously message uh, one another very frequently over the course of the week. And uh, Nick noticed something about Joe Ryan's sweeper, uh, that it was getting a little bit more vertical uh, movement to it. And, and lost into three that. ticks. And lost three ticks. So something to monitor, right? Uh, you know, it's funny. At the beginning of the year last year, Joe Ryan increased his slider percentage. And we said, okay, you know, maybe this was the ticket for him to reach that tier, right? And then he did not have a good second half, right? He didn't really find the slider that he was looking for. It stopped getting whiffs. He just had to only rely on the four-seamer. And it wasn't able to carry him throughout the course of the season. He also had like one or two really bad blow-up games. I think it might have just been one that completely inflated his ERA. But with that said... There was a pattern where he messed with a, a breaking pitch, didn't really work to his liking. And then at the end of the year, he started to introduce a new sweeper. Here we are at the beginning of this year, and he has the sweeper. He's got the slider. He opts not to go for the slider in this most recent start and said going for the sweeper with a different movement profile, as you said, dropped in velocity a little bit. This is not cause for concern at all. I love what he's doing and he's still dominating. And I think it's a great spot to have him at 15. But I'm very curious to see the direction that Joe Ryan goes because the sweeper that he debuted in this new movement profile sweeper had like a nothing CSW, right? Didn't he get like one CSW over like one over 12? Over over 12, so far fewer. But still, I'm very like there have been games where we've seen him go to this slider sweeper combination where he can get a good amount of whiffs with it. You know, I don't know if guys are just like waiting and sitting on the four seamer or if the pit, he just hasn't really figured out the release points quite yet or something, but there's something there with that sweeper that I'm very curious. It's teetering, right? We're on that kind of balance beam seesaw, whatever, where either he keeps going in that direction and it doesn't get whiffs and guys are just going to sit on the heater and we see a repeat of what happened in the second half last year, or it clicks for him. He gets that second slash third weapon for him. That's really, really good. And he'll continue to dominate for you for the rest of the year. I honestly think that Joe Ryan should be throwing a cutter, not a slider, a sweeper. I think it's a case where his four seamer is really, really good. And there's some guys that just can't really throw a good slider. I mean, that's just kind of how it is, right? Yeah, and that's okay. Um, so I, I try to do something completely different. The other side. You know, I think that's what he's doing right now is he's saying, you know what? These aren't really my best pitches. Uh, so let me experiment a little bit. And my, we're going to see more experimentation over time. Um, to maybe try to find something else. 
but it's not. It could be. Right I hope it's. I hope it's not the cutter because I think the cutter can really mess with the four seam. Like, oh, I, right. I, I understand that fear. Yeah. Okay. So then curveball. Where's the curveball at? Yeah. Sure. I understand. <laughs> I, I hear where you're coming from. Um, there was a fun conversation we had about Julio Urias uh, that ended up just uh, the, the answer. We did get. I did get an answer to that question, by the way, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, so. We tweeted about, uh, and it didn't necessarily have to do with Kershaw and Rochelle and the things that they'd established. It's, oh, a, it's apparently a release point of Urias. Yes. Yes. So one of the things that we noticed was Julio Urias, for some reason, has this strange release point. I, I, I made an, uh, a graphic for it, but it got cut for the Sunday Night Baseball broadcast where he has two four seamers and he had it last year as well, where all of a sudden he'll just drop down and throw it from a lower arm slot. He doesn't do any other pitch from that arm slot. He gets a little bit lower in his body when he does it i couldn't figure it it's not a handedness thing he does it to both righties and lefties it's not a thing that he does you know he did one off in march 30th and never did it again he'll throw maybe one or two of them from that lower release uh over the course of a game and it's just uh um you know at first i was like okay well he introduced a new cutter maybe it's the cutter that's messing with his four seamer a little bit he's also i noticed like nibbling a little bit more on the edges of the plate uh, this year and not having success doing it with his four seamer. So I was trying to see if maybe it had something to do with that. The answer was it's a non story. Uh, I do it quote to just mess around. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I, right. I just do it to mess around. And that's it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what, yeah. What that, you, that, there you go. There it is. What have you seen from Julio Urias? This, you know, this, it was a much better start. You know, he got a little bit hosed. Velocity. Some poor Velocity was back finally. Oh, mm-hmm. it was so nice. He finally threw. 94 95 he was up two ticks on that fastball and that's a huge deal i mean he was he was up across the board which is kind of interesting so was tony gonsolin in his start yesterday maybe there's something going on here um about yeah. velocity readings or maybe just with the dodgers i don't know um but really good to see that from julio Urias, and you know he he's looking like the same guy that we know Okay. Any other questions or excuse me, any, uh, I, I almost just work Alex you with the way I end every meeting. Uh, any other comments about any of the other um, uh, players? I always say, team? what questions do you have? Which is much better oh, okay. than any other questions because no one wants to answer that one, but what questions do you have invites them? You know, sure, but uh, I don't think we need to get into the work semantics of how our <laughs> how our jobs. Our, our uh, my professor in college said that, and always stuck with me. Um, Dylan Cease uh, is someone who I led the round up with yesterday, who's seeming more like Hunter Green than Dylan Cease. At the same time, he's mm-hmm. kind of the Dylan Cease that we know uh, for the past two years, and he's going to be struggling with his fastball and curveball command. That's always the thing. Um, but uh, hopefully he can turn it on for a good month or two and make this much more of a redeeming season. Um, otherwise, I didn't really give a drop to Musgrove Valdez. I just had to promote Lopez and Peralta a little bit more. And Max Scherzer, I messed around with for a bit, but then I finally saw the quote about his shoulder still yeah. lingering. And I'm like, all right, no, 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 no. You're going down, buddy. I can't. I can't leave you up in tier two. So I brought him all the way down to 24. And put him above Sonny Gray, where Sonny Gray just had a little bit of some struggles and a little bit more hint of his mortality. So that made a lot of sense. Yeah, I hear you. Um, all right. So, uh, you know, always good to see that uh, Jesus Cesardo's ranking matches his whip at 26. I knew uh, you could not <laughs> escape without saying anything. And so th- this is a fun game right now, guys. Um, Fast and I, we don't do this. Put it on the board. We don't do it. We don't do this much put it on the boards yeah we don't we don't put yeah. them on the board 
We don't do the Hawk Harrelson anymore. Yeah, we haven't right? done it. Yeah, we were right. We, 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 we really, really haven't. I feel like once a podcast, we got to have a put it on the board. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. Okay. So this one has to be Jesus Lazardo, right? Okay. So the date is May 9th. Okay. Okay. From May 9th to the end of the year. Uh-huh. Uh, let's say I, I'm going to do a twofer here, all right? Okay. So it's like um, a parlay. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, parlay here. <laughs> I am going to say that Jesus Lazardo from this point on is going to have better than a 3.7 ERA and better than a 118 whip. Where are you on that? I will take the 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 whip is what i'm thinking about i'm pretty sure i can go the over on the whip because the command issues are still there uh or you know still a problem at the moment um and then a three uh, what was the era a three seven 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 sure why not would these mean nothing yeah who cares let's do it um (laughs) that's fine 117 uh, okay 117 because my okay. my whole thing is that the strikeouts are going to be there and i feel like if that's what you get that's essentially like your replacement robbie ray almost say for i don't know wins are weird um but he's at 26 right now and as we go into tier four i don't think these guys carry the same strikeout ability that luzardo does and is the is are the ratios that different is why i'm uh saying that exactly three seven one seventeen yeah, I mean, strikeout, the strikeouts, I, I, this is kind of to your point. You're saying they haven't been there and they will be there, right, over the course of the year because he's had one double-digit strikeout game and he hasn't what? I mean, he's at, yeah, he's at a six. 26% strikeout rate right now. Yeah, which is probably heavily inflated by the, the 10K game. Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm trying to take a quick look at what Miami's upcoming schedule is. And we are going to take a look at that and talk about it right after this break. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're back. So interesting schedule for Luzardo moving forward. It's at Arizona, then in Cincy, then the Nationals, which is nice, a little revenge. Um, and three then, for three. He's going to go three for three fast. And then Coors. Um, all right, let's move on to tier four here. Three for four fast. <laughs> Uh, Shade Bieber at number 27, followed by George Kirby, Drew Rasmussen, number 30, Nathan Eovaldi, followed by Logan Webb, Nestor Cortez, Justin Steele rises six, Chris Bassett, 34, uh, he rises seven, and we round out the tier at Jordan Montgomery at number 35. What's it called, and why is it called that? It's called the Wooden Shield, because it's old, reliable, but it'll sometimes burn. Mm. 
Oh, oh, that's beautiful. It's quite poetic. Um, it, the, one of the reasons that you should obviously be listening to this podcast is to get some insight into what we think pitchers are going to be doing moving forward. You got a little bit of that with Jesus Lizardo in terms of the case. And if you listened a couple of weeks ago, you probably got that. And if you read the red, roundups, you got that for Nathan Eovaldi, whose velocity returned um, definitely against his uh, penultimate start that we're going to talk about against New York. It's not really penultimate, but two starts ago with a complete game shutout, nine innings pitched, no one runs, three hits, no walks and 8Ks, and we saw that velo up at 97. We were like, oh, my God, it's happening. And then Whoa, what Chris happens? Farley, Alex Fast over here. <laughs> Lay off me. I'm starving. Uh, then on uh, the 6th this past weekend, the velocity back down to like 95, which I kind of thought was interesting. You still get eight innings of no one runs, five hits, two walks, and and 5Ks, but y- you've got to be kind of, you know, I mean, he's number 30. He's, he's kind of clicking right now, and you just kind of have to enjoy the ride right yeah that's all you can really do and hope that the velocity comes back up it was so nice 113 pitches of 97 before and it's just why why is it lower now i don't want to read the tea leaves and say oh well there you go Mm. uh he's hurt again um as he had fewer quality pitches than bad pitches in that start from his four seamer which is oh gosh but he really excelled with a splitter and cutter um 73% 73% of Yavaldi's splitters were quality pitches, which is really nice. That is consistency with a splitter that we normally don't see. And that's why Yavaldi was able to go eight innings uh, shut out against the Angels. I hope that sticks. You know, the velocity will come and go. But if that splitter is able to actually be a legitimate, consistent weapon for him, he has a super high strike rate on it right now, 67%, which is near 90th percentile among all splitters, which is really good. Mm. Um, hopefully that sticks around for you, Baldy. The next person I kind of wanted to talk about is is, is Justin Steele. Uh, Justin Steele. Oh, I got to really hold on to it, you know? Yeah, it's, it almost sounds like a Zelda villain when you say it, too. Uh, <laughs> you know, there might be a, a small theme that we establish over the course of this podcast with guys who are good at mitigating hard contact, right? As we're probably going to have a good it's conversation insane about. insane what Justin Steele just, is doing. It, it really is. So, so go ahead, dive in. 16% hard contact rate this year, which is fourth best in the majors. Yeah. What? Yeah. He's 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 the real deal right now. He's top 10 in ERA. You know, he's got a good amount of innings pitched under him. It doesn't really matter about well, it does matter for fantasy purposes about the wins. It's kind of frustrating that the the Cubs don't really let him like throw a hundred pitches. Like he's been pulled mm-hmm. at 86, then 81, despite going into the seventh and the sixth uh, against Miami. That maybe that was because it was back-to-back starts against the same team. And they just wanted to get to the pen to, to hold on to a lead. But he has been, you know, I, I don't even think this is necessarily a Vargas role. Like I think it would actually genuinely surprise me if all of a sudden Justin Steele runs into a stretch where you're like, all right, we're just going to drop Justin Steele. It seems like this is, he's got a really innate ability to mitigate hard contact. This is something that he's been able to do for quite some time now, despite the fact that the pitches in and of themselves, you know, aren't like fantastic. I mean, the, I'm mostly the slider's good, right? By PLV standards, the slider's good, but the, the, the four seam has never been one that people are like, you know, wow, that's a four seam. That's really, it's a 91 mile an hour. Yeah. Four seam. doesn't really blow you away, but he's just able to mitigate contact with it. Yeah. It's really surprising that Justin Seals been able to do this, but it, it is a low strikeout rate. 22% uh, strikeout rate thus far. He hasn't really pushed up that number a ton recently. I've been watching him uh, a lot this season. 
And I haven't been as blown away by the slider as I have in previous years. Uh, I was a little surprised also to find out um, that this year it's O-swing is under 30% mm-hmm. while doing 37% last year. And that that's a little frustrating, uh, but it's still only 12% hard contact. I mean, they're not swinging at it and they're just taking it for a ball. Fine. But it's actually the same strike rate as previous years. It's getting a little bit more called strikes on it. Um, while the four seamer really, this is the difference maker this year for him. He's getting 13 ticks more O swing on it. Um, he's doing a much better job of, of getting hard, uh, uh, soft contact, I should say, as it's hard contact drops six points, 23, which is already really good for a four seamer. So now being 90th percentile, 17% hard contact allowed in this four seamer. He throws it 60% of the time. Uh, this has been a, a phenomenal pitch and fast has been making a point guys about four seamers being at an all-time high of woba and 81st percentile on four seamer woba for uh for justin Steele. um so that's that's okay that's all right i i will say this is a sell high in my view but Hmm. what a sell high means in your league i don't know like i have him at 33 because yeah i'm not going to say that you should be dropping him for like chris sale or something like no you should be rolling with justin Steele right now um but if i really believed in his results thus far he wouldn't be 33 he would be 15 or something like that Mm. and he will have his regression justin Steele is not overpowering he is not he's relying too much on balls in play to avoid it that's just the nature of the game it doesn't matter if you deserved better it's a game of probabilities when he allowed too many balls in play. Just to how it is. Not to mention, yes, he has a low amount of hard contact, but that doesn't mean he doesn't allow hard contact. And it, it will bite him um, in the future. Now, hopefully, just a singular time and not a stretch. But when Justin Steele doesn't have those strikeouts as that slider is not getting the O swing, it does concern me a little bit uh, for the long haul. And I, I, I want to see that slider really start dominating for me to feel much better about this. Speaking of the slider starting to dominate before we feel much better, let's move on to the next tier here. Is there anyone I want to talk about here? No, I'm good fast. I got too excited. Uh, tier 5, <laughs> 36 through 42, Lance Lynn, Tanner Bybee, Bryce Miller, Hunter Brown at number 39. Then we have Hunter Green falling 11 spots to 40, followed by Chris Sale jumping up 8, and Lucas Giolito rounding out the tier, jumping up 6 to number 42. What's it called, and why is it called that? Um. Oh, boy. Uh, we are going to go with the Great Fairies. Okay. Okay. Because you want to seek them out, uh-huh. and they will often give you gifts. But sometimes you get something. You go, I don't need a larger bomb bag right now. <laughs> uh, that is very funny. Uh, we were talking about sliders. We got to talk about the largest riser uh, in the tier. A guy who has been, you know, passed his first two tests with flying colors, and that is Bryce Miller. So he has that kind of electric debut where he what takes like a perfect game into the yeah. sixth inning or something <laughs> against Oakland. Insane. He's and only say, you know right. first ranked among all starting pitchers in WHIP right now. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's He's with his actually, Guess what? This is I didn't know this across his last two starts. I mean, you guys understand for qualified for us is just among the top 200 starting pitchers and batters face this season. So Bryce Miller has reached it, which makes him the number one PLV pitcher in baseball. Oh, that's and that's all <laughs> that has to be 
all because of his four-seamer. <laughs> well, because what else is there, Fast? I know. So that's the conversation that we need to have. Now, interestingly enough, six, the slider it's rate... It's a six PLV! Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's the 99th percentile in PLV. The league average is 4.93. Now, he also has a, a, a near six PLV on his slider. It's a 5.9 in the 97th percentile. But here's the thing, right? This is the conversation that we need to have. We look. We need to look ahead. There's no question about the four-seamer. It is awesome. And he was able to dot that pitch with such precision uh, in that first start and a little bit more erratic against Houston, but still pretty overall dang good command. He gets the Tigers next. The Tigers, he's going to be fine. Then he gets Atlanta, and I, he might need a little bit more that's for Atlanta. Test. Now, he passed. Yeah. That's the t- I mean, the Houston was the first test, and he passed that one. But here's the thing. There's, you know, obviously, there's there's these great tweets that um, Lance Prozdowski, you know, comes up with uh, the day after a lot of these guys starts, and he was talking about the the difference in the uh, release point uh, between the the slider that he has or the sweeper that he has uh, between the cutter, the sweeper, and the four seam, and maybe that was leading to some issues. But there's like, I, if I'm reading the tea leaves about Seattle and what they might be doing, they might be like, "Listen, your four seamer is elite. It is a top four seamer in baseball. We'll figure out the rest when you're at this level." Which I kind of dig, right? Because a lot of clubs aren't going to do that. They're going to make them figure out the full repertoire down in the minors. They're like, "You're going to help us win now." He has, he has, I believe, won both games that he has started. Um, uh, no, he didn't win the the first game against Oakland. Sorry, but still, um, but the Mariners won both of them. Yes, the Mariners won both of those games. He is helping that team right now. There's gonna be a moment where a team realizes, oh, okay, we just gotta hit, you know, sit on this four seamer, and they might not be able to get it the first time through the order because it's that elite. But if he's continuing to get zero whiffs from his cutter and his slider, I mean, at this point, we're talking about four total. Excuse me, two total whiffs on the cutter in what is that? About thirty-two thrown, and we're talking no whiffs. On yeah. the slider, 15 on thrown. fifteen thrown. Yeah, I mean, there has to be a point relatively soon. Is Bryce Miller a, a sell high guy, or do you just say, "Hey, I actually believe that he's going to figure it out with the with the other pitches," so I'm going to hold on to it and enjoy the ride while he does. When you have this good of a four seamer, you can't sell high. I think mm-hmm. I, I um, I've been saying this about the prospect pitchers. It's why I was in on Mason and and now in on Bryce and now I'm in on Bobby. I want all the Millers. Millers just know how to throw fastballs. Apparently (laughs) it's Miller time this year for sure. Oh, don't do it. No, everyone does that fast. No, no, higher than that. No, you're you're better than that. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, They're Reggie. Uh, They, they, they know how to no threes. I don't know. Um, Bryce Miller. His slider is thrown for strikes at the very least. Like, it's not going to be an 87% strike rate, but uh, for the full year, but it's a 40% called strike rate, which is why the slider has graded positively with PLB because he didn't just throw those down the middle. He threw them on the outside edge for strikes, and we predicted those would be called strikes, and they were, right? So that's why the model loves uh, Bryce Miller's slider because he's just throwing at the right time and getting strikes out of it. His cutter uh, doesn't, we don't like it as much it's 33rd percentile plv and that is the pitch that we got to figure out here um that will be the difference maker to make him more immune to uh blowups because it's not just the fact of like hitters sitting on the fastball i think we've seen an exuberant amount of strikes uh with the fastball 74 percent of the time right now 
Mm. And what will happen is that there will be a start that Bryce Miller and you I've watched them pitch. He's a north south guy for the most part. But there will be starts like Christian Javier where he's just missing too high up the entire time or just too far down. And he's not he's going to get into deeper counts than he has been thus far. So thus Bryce Miller is going to have to, you know, when you're a pitcher and you lose your fastball release point, what you do is you go to a secondary. Mm. You go to that, you get you throw a strike with that, and that usually resets the four seamer. If you don't have a secondary that you can throw a strike with, then it gets really rough, right? So I hope that uh, that Bryce Miller adapts with the with the secondaries and actually gets to that point. Just having one of these like really good. Maybe it is that slider that he's thrown fifteen times. I don't think so, but we'll see. At the same time, I mean, selling high depends on what you get, right? I love the foundation of this fastball for for Bryce Miller. I think it should get better with the cutter and slider. One negative I will say is look at looking Gilbert and George Kirby. Sure. Uh, two guys that also had really good fastballs. Bryce Miller's is better, by the way. Um, who haven't really taken the leaps forward with their secondaries. You yeah. know? And yeah. not to say that those have been bad pitches, though. I would take George Kirby's secondaries and give them to Bryce Miller all day. I, that would be fine. Good enough for me. But they haven't really developed that that plus plus secondary yet. So I'm not going to hold my breath for that for Bryce Miller. But I see Bryce Miller as a, a very good 12-teamer play the rest of the year with potential to be a top 21. And uh, I, I hope it works out. Okay. Um, let's move on then to another person in this tier who... Uh, People might need to be jumping on or maybe not, right? It's Chris Sale. So been a lot of ups and downs for Chris Sale this year, right? He started off really, really poorly and people said, ah, it's over. I can't believe we listened to any pundit who said Chris Sale might have something left in the tank. And then he has that 11 strikeout game against Minnesota. And they're like, Chris Sale's back, baby. How dare you judge him by his first three starts? And then he throws a dud against Baltimore with no strikeouts for five innings. Uh, Chris Sale. No, no, no. The team? Oh, Baltimore. The There's O's. a team in Baltimore? Uh-huh. Um, and then <laughs> uh, he, <laughs> not your best. And then he uh, sits, gets 10 Ks again against Philly. However, the big difference, right, in those two double digit strikeout games is the four seamer set 94 against Minnesota when he got 11 Ks. The four seamer set 96 yeah, against Philly. He hit 99. Is that it? Is is this where we're like, okay, it's time to maybe see if you could pry Chris Sale from 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 whoever has him rostered right now? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's one start. I can't I can't tell you that the velocity will hold. We've seen guys have a peak velocity day and then fall back down. Uh, I am excited about it though. You know, the six thirty eight, sorry, six thirty seven ERA, one forty four WHIP for Chris Sale. No, that's not life. That that isn't what this is going to be. Hard contact at 30th best among all starting pitchers. We know that the the BABIP has been super bad for him. 372 thus far. It's just been really, really, really rough. 10.2 hit per nine this season for Chris. And I'm wondering, hey, what's the average of that? Uh, the average is 9.4 across the majors this year. But generally for good pitchers, you're aiming for an eight. And we've seen that constantly in the past for, for Chris Sale. So the strikeout rate is there, which is great. The walks are still low, which is great. The hit per nine is going to come down, which is great. And there you go. Chris Hill is really good. So I, I'm a fan of yeah. it. I just want the velocity to not be at 94 next time he pitches. 
Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to note. He'll get the Cardinals next, so that'll be a fun game to to watch. Um, any other notables that you'd like to discuss? Do you prefer Lance Lynn or Chris Sale right now? Uh, probably Lance Lynn. Why? Um, I think even though there has been some more innate volatility with Lance Lynn, I wouldn't necessarily chalk it up to like velocity volatility um it's more been like performance volatility i know he's on that stretch of giving up you know four more earned runs for it's pretty insane consecutive starts now yeah i just i don't know i feel like he might be able to settle it a little bit more and i usually i would say is less of an injury concern um but really i guess both of their track records recently have have spoken to long-term injury um i don't know what do you think i mean i have lance Lynn ranked higher uh, I yeah. got some pushback on on Reddit for it. But honestly, I mean, you have two guys who both have fantastic strikeout rates. The walk rate this year at 9% for Lance Lynn, I feel is weird and should come down as the season goes on. This is traditionally like a 5% uh, walk rate guy um, with, with Lance Lynn. Not to mention the uh, the pitch counts are always at 100. I mean, yeah. he's, a, he's a horse. And I, th- I feel like people underrate that where... Lance Lynn can go six innings with seven strikeouts with consistency um, with a generally good whip. It should be much better as that walk rate improves, as his 10.3 hit per nine falls down as it will. The home run per nine at two plus is going to come down. That's 16th percentile. Like this isn't the life of Lance Lynn. So I hate to even use it, but like, yeah, 3.71 XFIP. If you're just getting it, just a baseline of like, yeah, what if the home run rate stabilizes and the Babbitt stabilizes and little thumb base or whatever? There it is. Just like right in front of you, 3.71. You mix that in with this really good strikeout rate. I understand the velocity going down for Lancelin, but like he just got 13 whiffs on his fastball. He's fine. I, I think this is the premier buy low. And again, buy lows are only good buy lows when they're actually low. You know, you don't buy low a guy that everyone thinks is going to do better. You know, that's not really a buy low. You're just going to still have to pay some sort of premium for it. A buy low is someone where people actually want to drop him, like Reed Detmers. And that's a buy low. Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's go. So uh, so I'm in on Lance Lynn. Um, yeah, I, I, one last thing to there. I mean, it's Philly, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and at Cincinnati. Like uh, that's that's a that's a tough stretch for for Lance Lynn, mm, and then yeah, coming absolutely. up, it's Kansas City. It's Kansas City and, and Cleveland. So Kansas City and I, just I don't roughed know. up somebody last night. Was it the was it Descofani? They've been messing yeah. up guys. It's weird. They have been. They they put up a lot of runs against Baltimore. Not that Baltimore has the best pitching staff, but it has been weird to see Baltimore get blown up by Kansas City and then virtually shut down Atlanta for three games. It's been very um, bizarre. And before we move to the next tier, I just got to mention quickly, Tanner Bybee, I'm still in. I think it was the worst that we just saw, and I think he's going to be much better moving forward. Um, Hunter Green is kind of a cherry bomb, and I hope he gets settled in. Uh, Hunter Brown is just had a really ridiculous stretch and it's like that's not gonna happen i think it's zero for 48 whiffs or something on his cutter sorry curveball and slider combined in the last game like yeah that's not the life he's going to live while lucas giolito i wanted to push up more but i can't when his fastball velocity is down and so and the changeup is gone pitch separation was amazing but that's the least sticky part that we normally see which has me a little cautious at the moment okay let's move to the next tier here uh tier four 
four a tier six 43 through 47 tiny little baby tier uh some fallers logan gilbert falls 10 reed detmers falls two he's at 44 nick lodolo falls 15 to 45 charlie morton falls eight to 46 and to end on a positive note a riser in blake snell at 47 plus four what's it called and why is it called that i've got it going for this and i'll tell you after this break so this is called i mean at some point i had to do it uh it's the tingle tier <laughs> 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 I forgot all about Tingle. Uh, how could you? Up until this um, he is a very weird character in this, where he's just this like dude in a green suit, but it's like he's a star and he's very, um, he's very expressive, and he's one of those guys that like you're happy he's there, but you're not, but you are. Um, and I feel like you get that a lot with the guys in Tier Six. Hmm. Okay. Um. I, I there, you know, I, I hate to keep focusing on him because I feel like we have talked about him a little bit, but like I think people want to hear Nick Lodolo. Uh-huh. It, it's it's real tough right now. So I yep. I actually reached to or reached out to um see Trent Rosencrantz from uh about uh Lodolo when you and I were talking about him in that start. I think it was against Oakland. Where it was like, oh, it seemed like he was kind of pushing, putting it together, but he was just at 70 pitches. And, you know, what's kind of going on there? And he kind of confirmed, yeah, it was just like people coming up in the lineup, um, I believe. And it was like, you know, the matchups. Mm-hmm. Now here we are against the White Sox, and it's 77 pitches again. Now it's three and two thirds innings. He's like really late. Yeah, he's laborious through the, uh, the, the game. Yeah. He's, he's, so he looks, lost i mean yeah. it it is not great right now there the, the good news is the underlying metrics say okay this this can't be it right i mean a 32 percent csw you're really not often seeing from a guy with a 629 era right and a 28 percent k rate and a six percent walk rate and a 3.61 xfip now the xfip you might have to throw out the window right because i don't know if xfit really applies in great american ballpark absolutely right i agree with so you. so then the 5.91 fit though and the 6.25 expected era and the you know the the hard contact that's trending in the wrong direction those obviously are not great but it's a 440 babip that's the third percentile in baseball right now league average is yeah. currently 309 so what are we doing for a guy that what are we Reds doing? Seem to, I mean, the Reds have kind of they seem to have lost faith in him and it's not going to get easier because his next two starts are the Mets and cores. So what are we yeah. doing? Well, I mean, the Mets are the Mets, but uh, a 2.62 home run per nine isn't going to stick around. Even when it's bad, it's not that like it, it won't be that we have to acknowledge. All right. Over 34 innings. A two six two homer per nine is not what the world is for him in the future, mm. right? Now, I uh, the comparison of him to Andrew Heaney doesn't seem so ridiculous, but he's better than this. And I, I say this a lot, where I like guys the most when they come out from their first real valley, right? Well, Dolo might you know might need some tweaks right now. He's lost his confidence. He's he's lost the ability to locate the fastball, and the, and the curveball still gets a lot of whiffs, but it's not. It's not that pitch that it needs to be. The changeup hasn't developed as we want it to. I wonder 
what the process is for Lodolo to get fixed, right? Is it going to AAA? Yeah. Is it, I mean, why though? The Reds have nothing else. You yeah, might as well figure nothing, out yeah. here, right? Might as well experiment here. Uh, this is on the Reds. They got to they gotta be there to, to coach him. You know, they have to be there to be like, okay, we're going to try something different. He's not going to hold a 13 hit per nine. I, I, I have to keep mentioning this. Why This is why I like hit per nine a lot. Because even like Babip, it's still even just such a good indicator of like, guys, like this, we know these numbers are ridiculous. Like, let's, it's going to come down. That's going to affect the whip. It's going to affect the ERA and all these good things. And when he's striking guys out at a 28% rate still, despite all these woes, he's clearly doing good things. Um, It's going to get better for Nick Lodolo. Now, what do you do in your fantasy team? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, if you want to treat it like a, prospect stash by all means that might be the way to go right think of like nick lodolo the prospect coming up in three weeks or something giving you a 28 percent strikeout rate right i get that i i'm kind of tempted just to throw him out against the mets the mets are weird man yeah you don't know i mean they just let sensatella and and gomber mess them up like i don't know i if you need strikeouts in your Roto League, go ahead. If you really have to be careful with the Uranian whip, you, you can't do it. Okay. Any other mentions here in this tier before going to tier seven? Reed Detmers is going to be great, and I'm not going to stop saying that. Um, Logan Gilbert had a really nice start yesterday, but uh, I still don't really buy into the secondaries. Charlie Morin has two pitches and really just one elite one, and it's weirding me out. And Blake Snell had just, just had a great start, but... Not with his breaking balls and his fast one, his changeup. And it's just, this is a weird, this is weird right now for Blake Snell. That's all. It is very strange, as is Reed Detmer's 150 whip. Um, let's move on to tier seven. Uh, Sorry, you, you broke out there for a moment there. You didn't, I, I couldn't hear you at all fast. Oh, okay. you, no, 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 no. Do you see what's, do you see this? No, what is that? You don't see it? No, is that a semblance of Reed Detmers turning around in the next couple of weeks? Because I don't see it. Um, I was I was sent a Reed Detmers bobblehead. Oh, that's nice. See how they just give it away now? Uh, that, huh? <laughs> Reed, I, I, I hope you understand that you have at least one fan here no, that will too. not give up on you and Dude, that I'm going on. to be saving this podcast mm-hmm. for when you turn it around because I know how good you are. Okay. I, I know how good you are. Don't let fast take you down. Okay. Uh, well, here we are in the tier that we wanted to talk about. Uh, tier 7, 48 through 59. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez at 48, followed by Logan Allen. Uh, Dustin May jumps up 5 to number 50, followed by Marcus Stroman. The man of the hour that we're going to talk about led the list. 21 spots. He jumps up to 52 at Mitch Keller, followed by Anthony Disclafano, who I believe is the largest riser in the list, uh, list overall, aside the... <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Uh, he rises 37 <laughs> spots. Anthony Disclafani. Uh, <laughs> what did I say? I wasn't even looking at it. Uh, then we have number 54, Zach Eflin, followed by Bailey Ober, Josiah Gray at 56, Alex Cobb at 57, then Brandon Fott and Graham Ashcraft. What's it called and why is it called that? This is the guy playing the accordion of the Song of Storms Ooh. in Ocarina of Time because, like, it's a great song. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of chaotic, oh, and it's okay. like it's like you know you're you're here for it, but it's like maybe I maybe I can't stay for too long. 
<laughs> All right. So let's let's lead with with Mitch Keller. I'll, I'll I'll hand things over to you. I mean, you had a great write up about him in his most recent start before the complete game shutout, and now here he is with the complete game shutout. Uh, what do you get to say about Mitch Keller? And I had another great write up. Thank you so much. Um, mm-hmm. Mitch Keller limits hard contact a ton with all four pitches right now. Sub twenty percent hard contact rate and everything. It is strange to me. Because, and I, I ranted a lot this morning in the Plus Pitch podcast. If you're not listening to that one, you really got to do that. Um, but in short, my analysis is that he's not doing the normal things of having some ridiculous secondaries. He's not doing the normal things of good precision around the strike zone. What he's doing right now is he's chucking four seamers, cutters, and sinkers. Where my assumption is that batters are expecting the four-seamer and they get weirded out by the cutter and they get weirded out by the sinker, which thus makes the four-seamer better. That is my current takeaway of how Mitch Keller is performing at the level he is at the moment. I could be missing something else. I I, I watch him and I, I, I look at all the charts and I look at all the, the strike zone plots and I look at all the numbers and everything. It still feels weird to me. And generally, when I find things that are weird like this, they don't stick around forever. Um, But I have to acknowledge that I'm not infallible here. And there's clearly something going on that's helping him have a 16% or a really good hard contact rate, I should say, uh, in the top 10 of the major sets. I know he had 25% last night. Um, 28% strikeout rate or very good strikeout rate. It's probably higher than 28% now. Mm. Mitch Keller is doing great things. You hold on to it and go for the ride. Um, but I, I am still a little bit weirded out by it. Where are you on this fast? I mean, I, I was kind of in. Um, I mean, it's funny. So someone, so people like to conflate us a little bit on Twitter. Like there are times where you rank someone on the list and if they do well, people at me and they're like, but you yeah. hate them. And I'm like, that's not, that's not I, me. I um, first but, of all, we don't hate anyone. <laughs> There are some pitchers who are garbage people who I don't like, but well, that's uh, fair. As far as like yeah. they're, you know, we we want every pitcher to be dope, guys. Exactly. It's On the field, we want them all to be dope. <laughs> On the field, I want them to be dope human beings too. Uh, but yeah. then there was another funny one that was like a, a, another Twitter user today who was like talking about Mitch Keller, and I was saying how you and I, I agreed. I understand where you were coming from with Mitch Keller. I firmly mm-hmm. did. I think it's a very logical argument with what you're saying, and it makes a lot of sense. Um. I think he is doing some interesting things with his arsenal. And this is a guy who has been kind of every year to his credit, trying to get better. It felt like every postseason, postseason, excuse me, every off season, we saw something where Keller was like trying to better himself, trying to better himself. And it seems like maybe it finally just clicked for him. I'm not necessarily thinking he's going to fall off. I think it's interesting that he's almost pitching backwards when it comes to K's. He's got the, one of the highest uh, put away rates on sinkers in baseball this year, mm. which I think is really unbelievable because he's getting to these two strike counts where I think guys are going to sit curveball slider and he's actually going like high uh, and glove side every once in a while, just kind of like doing these backdoor sinkers every once in a while to get guys for, for uh, strikeouts, either looking or, or whiffing, mostly looking, I believe. Yeah. 32%, um, uh, sorry, 33% called strike rate on the sinker, which is insane. And that yeah. can't be sustainable. It can't be, but he's shown that he has a level of precision with it. And I, I like if he's doing it in two strike, find me another guy 
who has good breaking pitches that is re- instead relying on a backdoor sinker uh, to, to get his strikeouts. What is it like Sandy Alcantara and what it used to be Nola, right? But now I feel like guys just go to their breaking pitches virtually all the time. So I don't know if that is it as well. Um, but I don't know. It's it's kind of fun to watch. I mean, like, find me a guy who has higher put away rates on his force on his fastballs between his four seamer and his sinker than he does on his breaking pitches. He's got a 30% put away rate on his four seamer right now. Yeah. Like that that with a Mitch Keller, I mean I I understand that it comes in a, a really high velocity, but it's not Mason Miller's or Bryce Miller's or Spencer Strider's four seamer, right? It's it's not that. And he's still relying on that pitch well. So I don't know. I think at this point you can't really say that it's oh, it's terrible and it's all going to come crashing back down to earth because every week he faces a new offense that he is shutting down that is good, right? After he got through that Dodgers-Rays test, you have yeah. to be like, all right. <laughs> um, but he, I mean, a couple things I want to push back on. Uh, it's seven starts. Mm-hmm. It's 41 innings. Uh, also 120 whip. Like, not like the, you know, he's not pitching... I mean, yeah, sure. Don't get me wrong. 332 ERA, 20% K rate. Absolutely. Um, But it's a 120 whip. And he still still shows that he is hittable here. Right? Despite the hard contact being really good, he's still somewhat hittable. Um, And I do wonder if that... If you're telling me that put-away rate on sinkers is really high, it doesn't scream sustainable to me. Hmm. And that means that the strikeout rate then falls. Um, it, it, it just all seems like small sample a bit. Now, I'm not saying he falls down to becoming an absolute, you know, just waiver wire fodder or something like that. But it does give me the hesitation of like, okay, guys, I'm in. This is it from Mitch Keller. And it's why I have, say, Reed Detmer's higher because there are tangible skills there that you look at and you go, all right, this guy's got a 20% plus swing strike around his slider. He's throwing harder up in the zone with four seamers. That's six- that's successful. It's like 25 to 30% strike rate. It seems like exactly the mold for that, right? While this just seems like it's his own thing, and uh, that just weirds me out. So I hope to be, again, I hope to be wrong here. I The more Mitch yeah. Keller succeeds, the happier I get, guys. Like, people think, no, like, yeah. aha, I got him. Like, no, man, this is cool. I, here's, yeah. Here's the thing, too. I, I think here is where he belongs. Right. Like when when I was pushing back uh, and it wasn't, you know, I, other people had him in the in the 70s as well. It's not it's not outlandish where you had him last week. I don't think he should be any higher than that. But this brings up to the next interesting conversation. And I think it's a good one to have about the past and how we approach pitching. Right. Like I, I, I am guilty of this, just like everyone else, where it's like not nah, not getting burned again, not getting burned again. Right. Because that's always the discourse for Mitch Keller in particular and largely the discourse for a lot of pitchers right you 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 know retweet a tweet about Mitch Keller hitting a new velocity in the offseason you are inundated with you know not doing this again or if I had a nickel for every time I did this what what I've been kind of going through for the past couple of weeks or in where I am with learning about pitching in my life is like it's almost best to wipe the slate clean right mm-hmm. And I understand that you can't do that for each player. Like, obviously, you have to look at past information. I get that. But you have to maybe the better way to put it is you have to strike a balance with these guys. Right. You have to leave open a door 
for improvement. Because if there's one thing I've learned that I've, you know, in, in getting to know pitchers more and getting to see behind the scenes and pitching development, they do not stop tinkering, right? Sure. They're not yeah. Jacob deGrom, right? They, they are always, even if it's maddening, right? Like this thing with Julio Urias, why do you need a cutter? Like, do you need a cutter? Maybe, obviously the Dodgers are far smarter than I am. He probably needs a cutter, but they are always doing something. Sure. And you always have to leave open the door of like, yeah, maybe they're just this good now. It's, 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 it's a, it's a, a, so. a balance. We're always looking to strike. Yeah. I hope so too. Uh, so we are going so long in this podcast. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. I, uh, that's jumped up a ton and then he just threw pitches down the middle yesterday, which is stupid. Um, Zach Eflin, I uh, did really well. So he gets a bump. Brandon Foch arrives at 58. People say, what? He was so bad. But it was against Texas and an MLB debut, which we don't start in. And now he gets the Marlins and I'm starting for that. So there you go. Yeah. Graham Ashcraft doesn't move. And I think he kind of is what he is. And we all know what he is. And that's really cool. And Logan Allen isn't as good as the other prospects in my mind, but he's still going to be good. And I'm fine with that. He's kind of not a normal Guardians pitcher, where I think it's actually a good fastball that does work well. And then you have you have a good slide. I think like a good Toby, really. Like he's a Holly, mm-hmm. and that's cool. Let's go to tier eight then. 60 through 67, JP France and Louis Varland appear, uh, 60 and 61. Then Andrew Keeney drops 15, followed by Alec Manoa. Grayson Rodriguez drops down to 64, followed by Mackenzie Gore, Tony Gonsolin, and Luis Ortiz. What's it called, and why is it called that? It's those Deku scrubs that like show up and they like do something and then they disappear. <laughs> ah, that's very good. We get one pitcher here to, to talk about because, as you said, we are running late. Okay, I'm going to do two groups then. I'm going to say Heaney, Manoa, Rodriguez, who are just not at their peaks. If you want to hold on to it for their peaks to come later, do do you. Uh, meanwhile, you got France, Varland, and Ortiz. Uh, in the short term, France is kind of interesting. Varland maybe is better than his debut. Ortiz is on three days rest, so I'm not starting him today, but I'm curious what he is, but I don't think that his fastball is good enough and his command good enough to really make the same impact as the other prospects we've seen. Okay. Moving on to tier nine, 68 through 72. Oh, one quick thing. Uh, yeah. I am very curious to see what Grayson Rodriguez is today because every Orioles pitcher struggled in the past two weeks and all of them have looked great against Atlanta and Tampa Bay. And I want to mm-hmm. see today if Grayson finally is like, yep, I'm keeping, you know, because I do feel like there is a momentum with rotations where it's like, be as good as the next guy, be as good as the guy before you, be as good as the guy before you. And I want to see how he does today, but I am a very terrified. Tier nine, 68 through 72. Patrick Sandoval, Sean Manaya at 69, Merrill Kelly at 70, Seth Lugo at 71, and Jamison Tyone returns at 72. What's it called and why is it called that? Um, this is called the, like, the the thing of magic that you get sometimes because it's just like, all right, I guess this helps, but, like, I'm not really excited that I just found this. Sure. Um, and that's why you have Merrill Kelly, Seth Lugo, Tyone, like, all right, sure. Uh, Manaya could be throwing harder. And with a real nice three-prong attack now across the board with his repertoire, which I think is a better mix for him. And I think this is going to be much better moving forward. How is Merrill Kelly doing it again? Because <laughs> he's got I a 275. Know, the fastball has been better. It's missed more bats uh, this season. Um, 11% swing strike rate on it. Uh, actually, it's the same amount. It's sustained, sustained last, from last year, I should say. Uh, but... I don't know, man. It's so weird. It's so strange. It's always weird. 
But yeah, a lot of the gains have been matched, I guess, from last year. He's not going to have a 6.4 heart per nine. Okay. And he has a 12% walk rate. So this is going to get worse. It's a 119 whip, by the way, because of the hit per nine and that walk rate. And the walk right? rate. Yeah. He's also probably not going to be able to continue to maintain like a near no. 26% K rate. And that start against yeah. the Nationals definitely helps him there. 10Ks. Nope. Fun to watch, though. Um, let's move to tier 10 here. 73 through 77. JP Sears, Domingo Herman, Hayden Wisniewski at 75, followed by Kodai Senga and Edward Cabrera. What's it called and why is it called that? Um, this is that exact scene of holding up the hard piece because you're hoping that one of these gives you more life in the season. Mm. Now, I'm curious about Hayden Wisniewski dropping because back-to-back quality starts against Washington and Miami. I get that. Uh, easier teams, but he handled yeah. them. Just two Ks against Washington, but six Ks in a, in a relatively nice start uh, against um uh, Miami, is it just the upcoming schedule for Wisniewski that you don't have? Schedule's any- worse and only a 12% swing strike rate on his slider thus far. I I know it's a 34, uh, 35% CSW on it, which is great, but this needs to be the pitch that carries him. And it's okay. not in the way that I wanted to while the cutter sinker and four seamer are pretty pedestrian. Okay. Um, Let's move to tier 11, 78 through 84. Martin Perez, John Gray at 79, followed by Bryce Elder, Tyler Wells at 81, then Tyler Anderson, Cal Quantrill, and Wade Miley. What's it called and why is it called that? This um, this is a, the Goron tier uh, because they're the rocks if you need them. Okay, now here I was uh, on Sunday. I'm looking at Martin Perez's box score. It's seven earned runs, three walks and two Ks and just three and two thirds against the Angels. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, it finally happened. We finally saw some 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 severe regression from him and we got him rising up one. Okay, uh, come on. you, you know better than to, to, to really look at a plus one at 78. But still, I, I'll put it this way. I wasn't shocked by a plus one. I was more shocked by not a minus 10. Like, I thought this might have been like, here it is. This is what we've been waiting for. The Vargas rule is over. Nah, the the, the Angels are a good team. Uh, really good offense. The changeup was still down. The sinkers were still uh, going inside a right-hander. Same with cutters. Didn't go his way this time, but the skill set is exactly the same in my view. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's nothing's really different here. Now, I do want to be- mention... I do want to mention the next guy, though, really quickly. Uh, John Gray, who I'm going to completely rectify next week um, Mm -hmm. because John Gray just completely changed everything that he did last night. Like, Mm -hmm. completely different. Two ticks harder on the fastball, four ticks harder on the slider, 20 whiffs. Uh, Also, more sliders than fastballs out of nowhere. 40% sliders and, like, 30% fastballs after, like, 50% fastballs before this. John Gray is a legit starter all of a sudden. And now he gets two amazing matchups. Like, what? This is everything you could dream of for John Gray. He's gonna he would be like in the 50s right now. Uh, if I did this list after yesterday's start, because just it's like mattresses. Forget everything you know about them. Um, <laughs> so don't don't read into this one. Let's go to tier 12 here, uh, 85 through 88, uh, to 93, excuse me. Uh, you say Kikuchi at 85. Then we've got a good amount of followers. Brady Singer, yeah. Jack Flaherty falls 29 to 87. Jose Barrios, Drew Smiley falls 29 to 89. Johan Oviedo at 90. Brian Bayo uh, at 91. Um, Bello, excuse me. Griffin Canning. No, Bayo, you got it right. 
It is Bayo. I always yeah. go back and forth between Brian Bello Safari Planet, and I'm like, no, that's wrong. But then I can't think quick enough. Um, oh, Griffin Canning at 92, 93 is Ryan Nelson. What's it called, and why is it called that? This is the Navi tier because it's they always like they have a good start, and then everyone's shouting, "Hey, listen!" <laughs> I was wondering when Listen was going to make an appearance here. I mean, I think anyone just well within their rights to just pretty much drop Jack Flaherty at the moment. All of them. I mean, well, I mean they're all cherry bombs. Good luck figuring out when they're going to have good starts, guys. I mean, maybe, maybe this catcher thing is real. I don't know if I think that's kind of. I mean, do you think the catcher is also fixing his velocity every time? I know that it was just so I, I like off. Like I guess yeah, maybe they Adam Wainwright saying they, something. They scapegoated Contreras. That's not fair at all to him that the Cardinals weren't prepared for this. Like, I know. come on, that's on and, you guys. It's not on Contreras to come in and replicate Molina. Like, what are you talking about? I know, and I'm sure we don't know the whole story. I understand Adam Wainwright speaking out because don't don't they have like weren't they the 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 battery mate with the most starts like ever in the history yeah. of of battery mates? So I understand him, but like Flaherty, like. It's not like I don't know, man. That was that rubbed me. Kind yeah, of that was away a little bit. Me but too. Again, probably don't know the whole story. Um, anyone else in this tier that you want to hit upon? I mean, Brady Singer is not as bad as he's been, but he's also a cherry bomb, and like that's just he's the same guy he has been for the past three years. In my view, the slider hasn't gotten as many whiffs. It will get more whiffs. That's that. Uh, but yeah, all of these guys are just like we hope for the best. Okay, let's move to the final tier here. Then this is tier 13, 94 through 100. Marco Gonzalez, Peyton Battenfield at 95, Matthew Boyd at 96, followed by Kyle Bradish and Kyle Gibson, tiny little baby Orioles tier, Taiwan Walker at 99, and the new Mr. 100, James Paxton. What's it called? And why is it called that? This is the character from that town that you don't remember at all. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that. Um, nice to see Gibson bounce back against the Rays last night with a relatively good start. Peyton Battenfield, good to see him make his debut. But you had a fun blurb about Taiwan Walker recently. And here he, he threw is 50% plus splitters. Isn't that's that insane? But yeah. like, that's not going to stick. It, you don't can. see that sticking. I mean, yes, but it, it, it theoretically could. Oh, he's the new Gosman. Like, I don't know. We'll see. I'm yeah, I just it. meant we'll it see. can't by the nature of splitter volatility, because you're right. As you said, he's not Gosman. Um, I believe James Paxton. I, I don't know when he's scheduled to return. I imagine it it's is this at some weekend. point. They said it's this, this weekend, weekend for St. Louis, so. right? Yeah. Yeah. I imagine he gets the the, the Saturday start. Um, Who knows, man? Apparently he's sitting mid 90s in his rehab. Who knows? You just hope he can stay healthy. He's a 100. This is the perfect 100. Yeah, it really is. It really is. They always are. Every 100 yeah. is the perfect 100. Uh, any other final news and notes, Nick? Uh, happy birthday to Alex Fast. Um, I just want to let everybody know that. And you can actually use caps, all caps, Fast Birthday to get 20% off PL Pro and PL Plus. What's I'm not best? making that up. That's the best birthday present I could ask for. Um, all right. <laughs> giving it, because it's his birthday, it's everyone else's birthday. Nick okay. makes me pay for those, by the way. Every, no, it's I not don't. you guys getting discounts. Nick takes that out of my paycheck. Yeah, um, every, right. every single subscription goes away from Alex Fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, all right. That is going to do it for episode number 393 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week.